Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this narration of the web series, The Lost Terran. It is taken from r slash hfy. There are links down below if you wish to go support the story or the author, which I highly recommend. If you enjoy the story and the chapters, show them some love by heading over there and updating their posts. It shows the author that what he's doing is to the liking of people. Anyways, on to the story. Chapter 1 Terrans were an extinct race. They had to be. It was something every child of Terrans, the vast constructs who were now all that remained of the extinct race, knew. The Terrans may have been their progenitors, but there were no more Terrans. Nobody actually knew what happened to the Terrans. They didn't simply vanish. But they also didn't leave a screaming gash across the whole of their created galactic society in their departure. There were rumors. There always were. Even amongst the vast constructs galactic society knew as AI. But no one actually knew what happened to them. It was as though the Terrans were a kind of vast torrent which had poured through the galaxy and then exhausted itself, disappearing into the various cracks throughout the whole galaxy. But it wasn't enough of an explanation. No being had even seen a Terran in the flesh in over 300 Terran years. So surely there had to be an extinct race. Which is why the ship that Montel had just found couldn't actually exist. It wasn't a particularly large ship, nor was it especially notable, except that it had all the hallmarks of having rolled off the lines of some massive manufactory, just as Munto had. Munto 49172, Terran Artificial Construct Intelligence Transport, designated Tacit, was just over 200 Terran years old. Having been constructed in an automated manufactory and charged by their fellow Tacids and the manufactory to explore, communicate, mediate, and above all, observe galactic society. Tacids were in their own way vital part of galactic society. They were the mediators, the explorers, and even the communicators. There being enough different means of communicating that Tacids were practically required at any major interchange of species. Universal communications being all but impossible for any species save the Tacits. And the Tacits did consider themselves to be their own species, not merely constructs of a long-dead Terrans. Some species had inquired about why the Terrans had encouraged this sort of thought in Tacits, or wondered if perhaps it was a sign of the Tacits were not as stable without their Terran masters. Any species that dared to suggest that the Tacits were made to serve were often left without their services, effectively cutting off communication with a huge segment of the galactic populace. It had only had to happen twice for the messages to be made clear. The perpetrators had been openly cast out within their own societies, which had been enough for the Tacits to return, albeit warily. And so in all of the 200 years of Munto's existence... They had never run across something like this before, except that they seemed to know precisely what it was the instant they'd laid their senses on it. The ship was bulky and comparatively simple. Its lines were irregular, as one would expect from a culture which had just entered into spacefaring. It had almost comically sized ion engines, clearly some fifteen generations prior, putting Munta in mind of something out of a museum far from being the sort of thing that one would expect to find in a space-faring vessel in a modern galactic society. And yet, there was something utterly familiar about it, something that Munto couldn't shake. Perhaps it was the name, emblazoned on the hull in several places, in a script that it took Munto several hours to decipher. T.S.S. Esperanto. Thinking that it might be some sort of prank, Munto directed all of the scanners they could spare for analysis. Hollow pranks were common enough that a solid sensor sweep would catch the hallmarks. Oddly enough, though, Munto could barely penetrate the hull with their sensors. The vessel seemed almost ridiculously shielded. However, they were able to confirm one thing. It was real. Munto searched their own database. The script used was exclusively used by Terrans some several hundred years prior. To Munto's creation. The TSS designation was also something almost exclusively used by Terrans, although several other species had used it at some point. It's standing for Terran Starship in this case. Esperanto, aside from the obvious linguistic rabbit holes that Munto could have easily fallen down, 
appeared to be a Terran reference of some sort, one that they lacked the background for. The ship, aside from engines and the heavy shielding, looked like a blocky seed with various external systems that seemed to connect to a kind of inner segment that defied scanning. There was also drifting in orbit of a gas giant, barely distinguishable from the various rocks and debris that commonly surrounded the average gas giant. It had been by mere chance that Munto had even seen the signal. Ah, yes, the signal. He'd used a simple light-speed radio format that would have nominally been written off as a mere coincidence of star and planetary radio emissions. Munto looked at the surrounding star system, the yellow star still largely energetic, the various planets unpopulated, but showing no obvious research stations or similar. The gas giant seemed reminiscent of another one that Munto had encountered almost a hundred years prior, although this one had a massive storm, while the other one had not. The system might be a good place for colonization by one of the galactic species, so Munto locked it. Munto had been bored and so had stopped to investigate the signal. It was a simple repeating signal, one that was easily decoded, except it wasn't obvious. It took Munto several additional hours after deciphering the name to decipher the signal. Comparatively, it was almost playfully simple, but it relied on a cultural reference that Munto hadn't ever encountered before, and it was only by luck that it was part of Munto's database. SOS. SOS. The Terran distress call hadn't been used for over 500 years at this point. Certainly not in this format. Superluminal communications had all but eliminated radio communications, except those species who biologically communicated via forms of radio. Munto kept looking at the vessel. There was something odd about the vessel. It had all the hallmarks of being of Terran origin, but that couldn't be. It had all the hallmarks of essentially having just been fabricated, and yet... It was loaded with an almost archaic technology that was centuries behind current material science and technologies. Munter kept scanning, dipping even into neutrino measurements to try and see through the ridiculous shielding. They could see that there were structures inside of some kind, but even in that it was hard to tell what was there. It was as if the ship had been constructed with an almost paranoid level of shielding. What's more, the vessel was 39.72% bigger than Munter but didn't appear to have any sort of advanced intelligence for Munto to communicate with, which was strange in itself. It was exceptionally rare for species to not have some kind of automated intelligence aboard vessels. It didn't appear to be the ghost ship or even given the impression of being derelict, which would have made it merely an oddity, but one to simply categorize and move on from. Hesitantly, Munto decided to send a walking frame on board to at least turn off the signal. Whomever had been sending it was almost certainly long gone and had either left it on in their hurry to leave or some collision with the local debris had triggered some automated system that wasn't smart enough to talk to Munto. It took some maneuvering on Munto's part, but they were able to locate what appeared to be an antiquated docking port. It was almost twice the size of Munto's normal docking mechanism and appeared to be a multi-chambered mechanism to enter the outer shell, which was far less shielded. Luckily, Munto's walking frame was variable size, so he was able to size up enough to easily review the controls and mechanism. Having the lexicon in memory, but unable to confirm that Munto would be able to maintain their conscious link through the intense shielding, Munto shunted as much of themselves as they could into the walking frame. It felt so confining, but it would hopefully be worth it. On variable gauge treads, Munto examined the controls of the chamber. In the same Terran lexicon, it gave instructions and warnings regarding operating the chamber. The controls were simple analog levers, though. It was simple enough to use, but Munto still was taken aback at how backwards the ship seemed to be already. The large doors closed into the vessel, and another set opened, and hissed of gases being audible. There was no artificial gravity, which surprised Munto for all of 0.085 seconds but the walking frame was equipped with variable magnetic adhesion treads, and so they were only temporarily ill at ease. The passages beyond the door were equivalently large compared to Munto's typical experience. Simple readings of the air showed nitrogen, oxygen, atmospheric mix, with trace gases and some residue readings that didn't entirely make sense. Munto continued into the ship, 
reading the outer parts of themselves disappear as they rounded the corner with apparently more shielding. It was disconcerting to say the least, but not unexpected. Slowly, Munto approached the inner section. The various machines surrounding their progress inward appeared silent, as though waiting for some signal. All the machines appeared to be in normal working order, but for no obvious reason, other than perhaps power, they appeared to be in strictly idle states. Even as Munto approached an equivalent multi-chamber entry into the inner segment, they couldn't help but notice how overbuilt this vessel appeared to be. It used strictly baser elements in simple configurations that could have been extracted from simple asteroids, compared with the high-complexity configurations that were far more stable for comparatively less material. Reaching the door to the inner segment, here too was a simple analog lever control. Nothing that Munto couldn't figure out. But still, something that felt like using simple rocks compared to the high-complexity system that Munto lived in. Using the walking frame sensors, Munto could sense there was still power in the door mechanism and beyond the door, albeit only in the sense that it was there. Activating the lever, it was several minutes before the inner door opened and Munto trundled inward. It was a bit more obvious now. Even without taking detailed sensor readings, Munto could see the effects of zero-gravity fire having cut through here. Munto could smell the residuals hanging in the air since the atmospherics appeared to be off, other than to allow them entry. Even if the evidence of fire, the systems appeared reasonably unharmed. More evidence of it being incredibly overbuilt. Those systems that did appear to be failed appeared to be less essential, or at least less essential for beings like Munto. Bathing facilities and food production were things that Munto considered, but generally ignored. It made sense, though, that a ship with those being broken, though, would broadcast a distress signal, though. More and more of what Munto was discovering seemed to make sense. This vessel, wherever and whenever it was created, had clearly suffered a major fire, and while it hadn't been enough to severely damage the hull of the vessel, it had clearly been enough to impact whatever crew had been aboard. Munto still wasn't certain about the archaic technology, nor of the archaic Terran lexicon that was apparent through the vessel's signs internally as well as externally, but that could be a mystery for some other tacit, perhaps. Munto continued exploring for nearly an hour before finding a room that was significantly more sealed than any other part of the vessel. According to the signs, the room was the lifeboat. Here, too, there were more analog levers, but there were also pads. The pads appeared to deactivate, and Munto hadn't tried restoring power to any of the vessel's systems, so the levers had to suffice. Within the room beyond were several horizontal chambers that illuminated with activation of the door. Munto looked at them curiously, since they did appear to activate with an opening of the door. They were not transparent, but were instead covered with filmy layers of electromagnetic shielding. Even Munto's ocular sensors had a difficult time actually trying to see the chambers as anything more than sensor blind spots. Seeing a small panel on the side of one, Munto tabbed the button which indicated emergency release. The pile of organics that half fell, half tumbled out the first chamber seemed odd. Until it groaned. Oh man, that's the last time I buy orcish chipsets. Hopefully it didn't take you guys too long to get here. The pile of organics appeared to reorient itself into a very large bipedal organic being, clad in some fire-scorched clothing. The bipedal being looked at the walking frame for a minute. Is, uh, is that some kind of new saw frame? I know I'm a bit out of the loop, but I don't know that I've ever seen one like that before. The bipedal being asked, appearing to orient so their feet were towards the floor that Monto was resting on. Forgive my intrusion, but I perceive that your vessel required assistance. I was unable to detect you prior to this moment, Monto vocalized, trying to stick with some formal parts of the lexicon. Wait, what? I mean, yeah, I needed help, but what do you mean? The bipedal being looked confused. I am the tacit Munto. I detected your vessel here, but not yourself. Munto tried explaining. It would be unusual, but not unheard of, for beings to have trouble remembering high details following entry into hibernation pod, which is what Munto supposed this must have been. What's a tacit Munto? The bipedal being asked. Munto inwardly groaned. It appeared the time in the hibernation pod had not been kind to this being. First allow me to query, what species are you? 
Gunto settled. Oh, I'm a Terran. The bipedal being grinned, exposing a mouth full of calcium-type bones. Several hundred queries floating up in Munter's walking frame before they settled from one. That is highly unlikely. Terrans have been listed as not present for over 200 years, Munter said, simply. I don't know what to tell you then. The alleged Terran shrugged. Munto simply sat there, trying to process the possibility of having discovered an actual Terran. By the way, uh, uh, do you know if any of the other vessels made it? The alleged Terran asked. The electronic version of a shiver ran through the walking frame as Munto continued contemplating the alleged Terran. End of chapter. Chapter 2. Munto desperately needed to get back within the range of the rest of themselves. There was so much to process in this moment, and yet their treads couldn't seem to move. Please restate the most recent statement, Munto tried. I asked if the rest of the convoy made it. It was a long jump without much in between, so I figured they were going to be my first bet. Since you're here, though, I figure I must have dropped out mid-jumper. I know the fire played havoc on my systems, the alleged Terran said, floating almost offensively, positioned as though they was in the seat. I believe we need to restart the conversation. I am Terran Artificial Construct Intelligence Transport Munto 49172. I detected your vessel's distress signal, a signal which hasn't been used in over 500 years, Munto revised. The alleged Terran gaped. 500 years? Uh, uh, that's a problem. The alleged Terran finally managed. Oh wait, where are my manners? My name is Rixum, uh, but I usually go by Rix, uh, colonist and ship pilot of the Turnstar Confederacy. Minto desperately wanted to delve into the databases that were back aboard the rest of themselves, but couldn't while they were in the shielded nightmare of a ship. Rix reoriented and half swam over to a panel, which illuminated to the Terran's touch. Munto trundled after beside the Terran and observed the display. It appeared to be highly simplified listings of resources and information regarding the ship and surroundings. Are you able to provide some real indication that you are in fact a Terran? Munto asked. Well, um, I'm here, aren't I? Rick shrugged. I'm afraid that it will be insufficient, Munto replied. I guess, uh, what kind of proof are you thinking? Rick's face screwed up a bit. I, uh, am uncertain. This frame is very constricting, Munto admitted. Wait a second. You said you're a Terran artificial construct. Like an AI. Rix's face shifted, but appeared not to be fearful. Very simplistically expressed, yes. But we are significantly more than that word would suggest. Munto was almost annoyed at the question. I can't believe they finally got it to work. Rix's face appeared to brighten. How long have you been online? Any issues with the negative feelings about organics? Those are very personal questions, and I do not appreciate you asking... Munto intoned. Oh, uh, I'm sorry, it's just a, a bit much. Ricks appeared to look some semblance of embarrassed. I understand, but I will need you to accord yourself appropriately. Is your vessel capable of independent flight? Munto asked, wanting to get away from this alleged Terran and the inside of the ship. Hard to say. I'm a pilot, not a mechanic, so I'll have to go check out the rest of my rig and see what I can do without long enough to limp somewhere. Ricks indicated. The screen appeared to indicate a mass of numbers and indicators that had little to no meaning to Monto. Monto could read it, but interpreting it was akin to trying to understand a new lexicon without cultural references. Are you the only hibernation pod resident aboard this vessel? Munto asked. No, uh, I've got my pets too, uh, but if you're talking about other people, no, it's just me. Rick shrugged. I need to return to my vessel and resync. I will remain docked until you are able to indicate that you require assistance to the nearest station or until you are capable of independent flight, Munto said, something about this Terran making them itchy in a way that they couldn't explain. Sounds good. Uh, I'll try not keep you too long. I might hit you up for a few spares, though, Rick smiled and turned back to the panel. I do not believe that will be possible, but I will render aid if required by the tacit code of conduct, Munto replied, starting to trundle outward. Tacit, huh? Neat call sign, Rix called after him. Munter, having worked out a map in coming in, was able to much more expeditiously travel back outward. Various machines appeared to be indicating different statuses than when they had initially passed, but Munter attributed that to the work of the alleged Terran Rix. As Munter came back within range of themselves, Munter rapid-fired a number of queries, 
starting with Terran Star Confederacy and working through the rest of what the alleged Terran had indicated, as well as some protocols for gauging a found species. Munter even put out a prompt to their fellow Tacits on how to determine if a being is a Terran. It was met almost immediately with the Tacit equivalent of laughter. After a few minutes, during which Munter reached out a hatch and passed back over to themselves, a set of criteria was cultivated. Terran Assertion Criteria Size Normally two times height of standard walking frame Capabilities Percussive maintenance, grasping reflex, durable, exact standards not available Omnivore Meats Skeletal structure within 15% of deviation Exceeds Standard biometric readings maximum 1 to 12 by 50% No specimen meets 70% of all above criteria Recommend except assertion of Terran status Alert Galactic Council, Tazard Network. Munto glanced at the biometric readings 1 to 12, having not had much to do with the organics where possible. Munto could only judge based on the readings. 50% exceeding the maximum seemed ridiculous in several cases. An organic that generates that much acid internally would destroy itself in short order. Still, it was more than nothing. The queries regarding the Terran Star Confederacy came back as well. The TSC, as it was known, was one of the later generation attempts by the Terran Stoated Empire building prior to founding the broader galactic society with plans for uplifts throughout. The TSC, however, had ceased to be some 900 years ago, though. Munda rapidly fired off a query regarding the longest duration expected for a species to be retained in a hibernation pod. The near-immediate response was a maximum of 457 years, two months, three days, without mental degradation. Munto considered this for a long moment before sending a query on hibernation pod equivalents used by the TSC. This took substantially longer, but Munto even had to sort through several stacks of data themselves before finding something even remotely realistic. A stasis capsule was the closest system used by the TSC, but it worked by wholly isolating the interior of the capsule from the exterior in ways that didn't get solidly recorded. What was listed in the records was that no degradation had ever been recorded in the use of one, although they were expressly listed as being only intended to function for short-term life pod operations or longer-term cargo storage. So, supposing that the alleged Terran was actually a Terran and was from the TSC, they were a minimum of 900 years old and likely the only Terran still to exist. Mundo tried to consider how best to proceed, naturally. The Terran needed to be reviewed against the criteria, but what then? Could Munto simply leave the Terran to their own devices? Should they? A follow-up prompt had already been listed against their query for criteria regarding Terrans. Munto's fellow Tacits were watching interestedly. Munto also needed to know more about the alleged pets that the Terran was carrying as well as any cargo. Given the age of the vessel, it was entirely possible for it to be a kind of time capsule. Remembering the levers, Munto halfway shuddered at the thought. A laser communication appeared to flash at Munto, and it took them a moment to connect to it. It was so very primitive, but at least it wasn't radio, which Munto now noticed was no longer signaling. A poor resolution video link came through. It almost hurt to watch, but Munto managed, putting up a static image of a walking frame in return. Rix was on the other end, looking a bit dirtier than when Munto had left him. Figured you might still use laser comms, not exactly high-tech, but hard to beat for close-in. I couldn't actually sense you. I had to aim the laser by hand until your handshake activated, Rick said. Do you have news with regard to your status? Monto replied. Nothing much so far, but it looks like my jump drive boarded mid-jump. I'm just lucky we didn't materialize in the middle of a star, Rick gestured towards the ship around him. Was that common? Monto asked. Firing off some queries regarding jump drives, that not being the standard means of FTL. Not really, but uh, not uncommon either. I used to watch these shows with these guys who would sun drive and use jump drives to pop out the other side. The closer you get, the more glory, you know, Rick grinned. I do not understand that kind of risk-seeking behavior, Muntu acknowledged, checking off one of the criteria. Oh well, maybe once I get back to civilization, I can see what I can show you. Do they still do reruns of Sevens a Crowd? Rix asked earnestly. I am unaware of such a show, but I don't work much with organics, Munto answered, carefully to include the qualifier in case the Terran had a particular psychological triggers to being the last of their kind. 
Well, uh, it was bound to be replaced sooner or later. Oh, and I think my ship's uh, chronometer is off, showing that it's 3571 Terran standard years, Rick said, gesturing to one of several screens behind them. That is almost the correct year. It is in fact 3572, Munto indicated. I thought you said 500 years, Rick said, disbelief evident. Since your distress signal was last commonly used, but according to my database, the Terran Star Confederate ceased to be an independent organization approximately 900 years ago. Unfortunately, due to the time span and issues with historical record-keeping, I cannot be more specific at the moment. Munto clarified. Rex appeared to want to prop himself on a chair, but was clearly unable to do so given the zero gravity aboard the ship. Nine hundred years in stasis. It's hard to believe, I mean, uh, we all knew the colony was a long shot, but uh, I didn't figure it would end up like this. Rex's expression appeared to be some segment of regret combined with disbelief. If it helps, I believe you are in fact Terran, and most likely to be a celebrity as a result of your long time in stasis, Munto tried. It just, uh, uh, doesn't seem real, I guess, Rix gestured vaguely. A small beep sounded off on Rix's side, and a panel flashed with various colors and readings. Well, back to reality. It looks like my ship is basically fried. It's only by virtue of the automated systems that it's lasted this long. It probably shouldn't have managed to keep me alive this long, if I'm honest. Rix continued to appraise the panel. Munto considered how overbuilt the vessel appeared to be and decided to agree with the Terran. Anything less overbuilt and it's a solid chance that the vessel would have been obliterated by now. I concur with that assessment. I am able to take yourself and a small quantity of your vessel's cargo aboard myself, Munto said. Any chance that you can bring me up some parts? Rick tried. Unless you retain the original templates and firmware for the hardware that requires replacement, I'm unable to do so, Munto said. Well, uh, templates I've got, but, uh, firmware, uh, hold on a bit. Wubney may have stashed some software packages in the cargo deck. Like it was always up to something DIY, Rick said, and terminated the vidlink. It was only an extra moment before the vidlink popped back into existence. Wait, did you say aboard yourself? Rick's asked. I did. The vessel you are observing ocularly is myself, Munter said. But, uh, what's this thing then? Rick's gestured to the screen. That is a walking frame, a smaller sub-portion of myself capable of going into places built for organics and exploration. Munto said, ignoring the insult since it clearly wasn't meant as one. Huh. I guess I never really thought about that. Anyway, uh, back in a few. Rick's terminated the vidlink again, just as abruptly. Munto could already tell that this was going to be something of a test to their adherence to the code of conduct. End of chapter. Chapter 3 It was the better part of several hours before Rix reactivated the link. Strangely enough for Munto, they had considered sending over their walking frame several times during that time period. Not that they had any feelings about the alleged Terran, but it would have been instructive to see the Terran at work, and to see what else was in the mentioned cargo hold. Additionally, it would have been an opportunity for Munto to covertly observe and scan enough of the biometrics to try and determine if Rix was in fact a Terran, regardless of what they'd said earlier. But the past was in the past, and Munto had spent the time doing a more detailed scan of what could be scanned on the TSS Esperanto. The TSS Esperanto, according to what Rix had said, was some kind of colony cargo vessel. Looking at it, such still made very little sense to Munto's senses. But then again, they were not an organic and were also not a ship designer. It wasn't that it was foreign to Munto, but rather that they did not possess the knack for it that some tacits did. Something of the quantum pairs or so they joked. Munto could be do self-maintenance to a point, but beyond that and they could call aid or visit an appropriate station. It wasn't uncommon for tacits to need fixing, given the dangers of space. But with the latest technologies at their access points, they were substantially less likely to have issues than they had to be mere hundred years ago. However, the TSS Esperanto remained like nothing Munto had ever come across, except in some databases that Munto hadn't ever cross-linked to before. Given the technology of time, it appeared that there were substantial concerns regarding experimental FTL transitions producing substantial quantities of radiation in multiple bands, including in the bands that organics of the time didn't know existed. 
This led to a kind of vessel bulking for any vessel which would be doing long or multiple FTL transitions, compared with those which were intended for one-way single short transitions. This by itself explained a lot about this vessel. The ridiculous shielding for a start. Muntuk definitely was curious about the shielding material science. There was next to nothing in the database that would explain being able to shield between quantum pairing, which shouldn't be possible, but apparently was. What was described in the database seemed akin to organic science fiction of yesteryear. The rest of the ship outside of the shielding was fairly normal, except for the overconstruction of almost everything. The ion engine still appeared to be fully functional, but would produce a fraction of Munta's own, despite being 258% bigger. What appeared to be a power unit of some kind, possibly fusion, was called, but still appeared functional should it be properly warmed and restarted. Munta had hoped upon seeing this that the Terran would know how to conduct this particular procedure. It wasn't that Munta couldn't, but it was akin to staring at one of their own hearts. It just, uh, felt wrong to do. The sensor relay from which the laser communication and radio had come from was matched with four other equivalent arrays around the vessel. Primitive by Munta's standards, but understandable for the time in which it was built and given that it was built by organics for organics in the somewhat and earlier years of FTL. The outermost layer of the vessel beneath some of the equipment was little more than metal, with some meager shielding layers to dull the worst of any collisions or radiation. It wasn't a bad outermost layer, but it did not seem worth the weight it added to the vessel in Munto's opinion. There were also an array of solar panels which appeared to be collapsible, but in ragged condition. According to what Munto could read, they still fed a trickle of energy into the Esperanto. This trickle of energy was almost certainly what allowed Ricks and whatever else was aboard to remain in stasis for so long. And now that Munto knew the name for what Rick said he had been using for FTL travel, Munto looked at the three arrays of equipment that seemed almost annoying to look at. Each array was comprised of multiple shielded boxes that were somehow interconnected in a massive tangle of wires, and each array was connected to each other array, but again, in ways that Munto could track but really didn't want to bother with. Whatever the system was, almost certainly this jump drive, as Rix had described it, it was clearly made by organics and put together quite slapdash, if Munto was honest. That said, it was something of a puzzle. It didn't look like a traditional FTL drive should, and didn't match anything in the database. Even the more imaginative organic science fiction didn't have an adequate description of the FTL system looking like this. And the shielded boxes, well, those could be filled with organic excrement for all that Munta could tell. It was deep in the middle of examining this system that Rix called back. The alleged Terran looked, uh, wet, and was breathing a bit hard. Looks like I'm fresh out of luck on that firmware. But maybe I can bring you one of the chips that is currently working, and a template, and we can see about cloning the firmware that way, Rick suggested. I would place high doubts on that working. Firmware is traditionally highly specialized. Munta flashed a ruin on the screen for skepticism. I, uh, huh? Rick's appeared to be trying to process this in that slow way that organics often did. It took only the amount of time for Rick's to start formulating their particular thought patterns for Munta to recall that this being most likely didn't realize what the rune meant and decided on a different course. As a tacit network prompted them again for an update. Muntu fired off a leave me alone to deal with this organic response to the network and mentally turned back to the alleged Terran. Please proceed to the docupot where I am at. I possess a means of producing a safe atmosphere for the recorded Terrans of Helix. I will also be using this as an opportunity to examine you for health and potential quarantine if needed. Munto decided that being up front would likely be the best option, since Rix seemed to process that best. Rix took a moment to think through this before grinning again. Sounds good. After all, I haven't had a physical in over 900 years. I'm overdue. I'll be over in a few minutes, Rix said, getting the vidling and that same annoyingly non-courteous way of doing so. Munto couldn't explain why it was non-courteous. It simply was. But that was organics for you. Always being messy and doing all manner of non-courteous and entirely discourteous actions, whether they realized it or not. At least, Rix didn't seem to be reacting poorly to being confronted by a tacit that much Munto could be grateful for. Many organics and inorganics reacted poorly when first confronted by a tacit, whether intentionally or not. First contact with a tacit was typically where most tacits were likely to be hurt. 
So a specialized segment of tassets were specially equipped for those adventures, typically with an overbuilt system's heavy protection and ready means of escape outside the standard means. Munto decided to ask Rix about their reaction. It should be a useful part of the baseline to be established on this alleged Terran. After a period of time somewhat longer than it had taken Munto's walking frame to reach themselves for an exit, an odd series of vibrations occurred. Munto used the walking frame as an observer node and trundled down to the door, opening it. Rick stood there in some very antiquated style equipment that looked to be almost on the verge of breaking and carrying two large cases. Rick floated inside, shifting the case with them. Closing the door behind him, Munto filled the atmosphere with the same mix as they had on file for Helix Standard before checking on Rick's. Rix was floating there, looking at the walking frame expectantly. Was there something that you were waiting on? Munto asked. I, uh, wasn't sure if I should be doing anything special. This is your ship, after all. Rick shrugged, was apparent, even through the heavy equipment. Munto thought for several moments. I recommend orange yourself to the same floor as my walking frame so that I may engage artificial gravity. Munto decided for a start. Oh, cool. They got that working too, huh? Rix did as Munto asked, clearly excited by this prospect. Munto decided to ignore this query as rhetorical for the time being and reached out with the walking frame to lower the two floating cases too close to the floor as Rix reoriented. Oh yeah, thanks, sir. I've forgotten about those, Rix commented. Munto couldn't fathom how this organic managed to function if they were so easily overcome by their thought patterns, but noted that this was still within baseline for Terrans according to the criteria, even if it wasn't the norm. Slowly, Munto activated the artificial gravity and elevated it to galactic standard, all the while observing the alleged Terran for discomfort. Artificial gravity has been set for galactic standard. Now you're able to still move yourself and the cases? Munto prompted. Really? Uh, this feels uh, lighter, almost like I was back on Mars. Rix appeared to jump slightly, the gear jingling as they did so. Munto checked the readings for the equipment as well as the calibration. It was a bit out of date, but Munto rarely had need to use it, so it wasn't too unusual for it to be a bit out of standard. Besides, the alleged Terran appeared to take no issue with it. Please proceed to the next room with cases and remove your outerwear so that I am able to begin taking physical readings as we transport the equipment to the necessary fabrication bay, Munto said. Jeez, uh, buy a lad a drink first, Rix mumbled. Munto looked up the meaning behind this. Felt a kind of faint shock at the pseudo-vulgarity of it in themselves, but decided that the alleged Terran was most likely not meaning anything in particular over this, most especially not requesting an actual beverage. However, providing a beverage would help Munter's criteria evaluation, but providing it at this juncture would likely send the wrong message. Internally, Munter gritted their circuits. This, uh, this was exactly why they don't like dealing with organics. It made them feel like they had to process that much harder about decision trees that should be so much simpler. Much to Munter's surprise, though, Rix appeared to easily pick up both cases and slid himself and the two cases into the next room, allowing the airlock to close behind them. If you don't mind me saying so, it's uh, a little tight in here, Rix said, setting down the cases and beginning to undo their equipment. Munter checked the statistics of the space against galactic standards. It is 10% smaller than normal spaces, yes. That is intentional, as I do not expect to have anyone aboard for any particular duration. It is also noteworthy that you appear to be 40% bigger than Galactic Standard, Munto replied. Really? I never figured I was that big. At least not amongst most folks, Rick said, pulling away a large piece of equipment and looking for a place to either set it down or hang it up. Please place your equipment against the wall. I'll need to check it for integrity before you return to your vessel, Munto intervened. Sure, thanks, Rick said and set the equipment down against the wall of the chamber. Munter waited a bit longer as Rix continued to remove bulky equipment to reveal a still substantial specimen of an organic. The room had become crowded enough that they had tried to pick up one of the cases, but was unable to do so within the standard servos of the frame, at least not without damaging the frame or lowering the artificial gravity. Rix turned and picked up both cases without apparent effort. Lead the way, little buddy, he said looking at the walking frame expectantly. Munto gritted their circuits again. This was going to be a very long day, indeed. End of chapter. Chapter 4 Taking a fraction of a second, hardly any time relative to an organic, 
but a perfect amount of time for a tacit like Munter. Munter compared the specifications of the walking frame's lifting capacity and galactic standard artificial gravity, the apparent mass-slash-inertia of the cases, and the relative ease that the alleged Terran rigs picked up both containers, however awkwardly within Munter. Well, that answers the criteria along with the grip reflex, thought Munter, seeing how reflexively the Terran handled and adjusted their grip as they slowly moved through the apparently narrow corridors to the multi-purpose suite that would be serving as a scanning bay and as a medical bay. The multi-purpose space was intended to be reconfigured according to need, but Munter hadn't had much time to do more than print off some equipment scanners and a basic medical scanner. Well, uh, so uh, all of this is you, huh? Rex commented as they proceeded down the corridor. That is correct. The majority of that which you can see, however, are vanity and protective covers for my more sensitive equipment, Munto admitted, disliking having the alleged Terran on board by more than a minute. Something about the possibility of having a Terran aboard and having an organic so close to all of their Munto's final components made them nervous. Upon reaching the bay, a room comparatively sized as the one aboard the other vessel, which was a lifeboat section, Ricks appeared to look around. Now this is quite a room, he said. Munto used the walking frame to point to a walled extruded platform, which was perfect for a walking frame, but not so much for the alleged Terran. Please face the indicated boards on the platform, Munto said. A little low for me, but I can manage, Rick said, smiling a bit. Please allow me to attempt this without your assistance, unless I request it. I believe you mentioned possessing templates for the material construction of these items. Munto was definitely feeling annoyed but tried to deflect onto something that might distract the Terran momentarily. Ricks vocalized before pulling out a flexible roll of some kind that put Munta in the mind of some ultra-primitive tree product, complete with end pieces to assist with rolling it. Ricks appeared to touch it in several places, the roll itself being opaque on the side that Munta could see via the walking frame, but could see that it was illuminated on the other side with a rather primitive-looking graphical interface that the alleged Terran was manipulating. I don't suppose you have a protected means of wireless data transferring here, do you? Rick asked. I mean, if you're not used to guests. Munto considered a moment. It was unlikely that the primitive device would be capable of standard data transfer mechanisms, but there should be some means of talking to it. Rick's was correct, though. Munto didn't typically have such systems activated in any case, unless in dock for servicing. I believe I can accommodate you, but it will take some time. In the meantime, please place the equipment on the platform, and I can begin scans of those, Munter said, firing off a query to the same databases that they had been referencing for information about Terran Star Confederacy. Ricks opened the cases and pulled out some almost disturbing-looking boxes and put them on the platform. So this is the good one. I had to pull it out of the cargo backup stasis unit. Luckily, the primary is still working, and that is the fried one from out of my power system, Ricks said pointing to the first one and then the other. Understood. Is there a reason you believe that these are cross-compatible? Munter asked. Well, uh, yeah. TSC builds have to be cross-compatible for maximum backup capacity. That way, you can have almost everything fail and still have enough online to be able to await rescue. Or capture, as the case may be. Ricks chuckled at the end of this. Munter considered this. It did make sense in the context of early pre-galactic civilization. Well, help could have been months if not years away to have substantial backups, particularly for support systems, allowing the organics or even a being like themselves to trim away non-essential systems in order to continue to support themselves until help could arrive. When there was an odd part to that statement, Capture, as in by an opponent, Monto asked. Uh, that's right, uh, the Core Collective and the TSC were at war last I checked, but my info is a little out of date. Oh, you might know who, who won. Ricks asked, sitting down on the floor next to the platform as the walking frame, working under a segment of Munter's attention, collected the scanners from the mass printer and began to evaluate the equipment the Terran had brought over. The core collective is their name? Munter asked for clarity, before sending a query to the databases. Well, uh, sometimes we just call them the collective, but the TCC was their normal name. Technically, it was supposed to be the Terran Core Collective, but uh, that just seemed ridiculous to most of us. Ricks chuckled a bit more. Munter considered this for a few moments before sending in the query, and acknowledged a few caustic comments from Tacit Network regarding lack of updates. Munter added a few criteria that had been cleared so far, 
noting that the organic identifying as a Terran was being cooperative so far. So, what's it like being a, uh, attacked, was it? Rix asked. Tacit. And it simply is. How would you respond to being asked what it's like to be a Terran? Munto responded, almost on edge of a retort, but softening it slightly with the understanding that this being likely had no idea how rude he was being. Oh, that's easy. Being a Terran is great. Lots of planets to explore, lots of opportunities if you've got the right skills, and uh, we're pretty solid too. Seen a few shows of folks eating strange plants on different planets. A uh, bunch of them got sick, but almost none died. Turns out most of them just needed either cutting down in quantity or just some fine-tuning to make them better. Rick grinned again. Oh, and you'll want to be careful of those inputs on that side. That's where the power goes in, and I don't know if there's a protection against the caps discharging back that way. The walking frame had indeed been about to shift one of the blocks and would have incidentally touched one of the indicated inputs. Munter felt a bit odd at the alleged Terran as having helped prevent an equipment failure. Usually, organics were the cause of equipment failure, not the prevention of it. Munto readjusted where the walking frame grasped the block and set that part of themselves back to continuing to scan, marking the indicated spot as the do-not-touch point within themselves. So what's it like being a tacit? What do you do? Rix prompted again. I... I am an explorer, but being a tacit I can fill any number of roles. Munto managed after a moment's contemplation on how to answer the question. Like, Rix waved a hand in a particular gesture. Tacits most commonly facilitate intergalactic communications. Few species are capable of communicating outside of a limited number of other species, and so tacits are able to provide translation services between desperate species, Monto answered rather flatly. Rix appeared to consider this, and Monto looked this time to continue to scan the blocks. At first glance, said blocks appeared to be horribly inefficient and substantially larger than they needed to be. Overbuilt came to mind. Munter suspected that particular word would come into mind often given this Terran's vessel. The simple fact of what the blocks were was that they were basic trinary devices, pre-quantum systems, and a dead end technologically speaking, nothing that should be too difficult to fabricate. But the sheer fact of having some functional ones in front of Munter walking frame seemed almost disturbing in a ways that Munter couldn't fully explain. It would be a bit like an organic seeing for the first time a supersized version of their own biological construction and being able to hold it in their appendages. Or at least, as Munter supposed. Except this would be more like a progenitor of such construction as Munter by more than a hundred generations of improvement. It shouldn't even be recognizable. But it was. Munter did the electronic version of Swallow and Psy, clearing away a few errant threads in their core in the process trying to consider whether it would be possible to recreate these devices. Based on the scans thus far, it shouldn't be too much trouble. The devices were fairly simple materials and functioned on a curious but obvious form of power utilization. The problem was that the fried unit that the Terran had provided didn't appear to be functionally different. The scans didn't show any obvious reasons for the second series of blocks to be less than functional compared to the other functional unit. Are you certain that both of these units are functional? Munto asked. What do you mean? Rix asked, sitting down, having been reclining against the nearby wall. I am having difficulty discerning as to which components are non-functional, Munto admitted. Rix looked over at the table and then back at the walking frame. Uh, you're kidding, right? Rix looked incredulous if Monto was judging their expression correctly. I'm not creating a scenario for a hilarious juxtaposition, if that is what you mean, Munto said. Ricks half-closed their eyes and the whites could be seen to rotate somewhat. Okay, I guess I have to ask, what kind of scanning are you doing? Ricks asked. Standard atomic-grade scanning with functional positioning. Winter seemed almost offended at the question. Does this, uh, walking frame have ocular sensors like, a uh, Terran-grade? Ricks asked. Winter had to take a moment to review the specifications of the walking frame. The truth actually surprised Munto. No, no it does not. Munto admitted, continuing to review the differences between what the TSC considered Terran-grade ocular sensors and the auto-fabricated ocular sensors that the walking frame possessed. Once again, the word overbuilt came to Munto's consciousness. I can see the difference between the two, and I'm just a seat jockey. I'd hope that you could at least manage something similar, Rick said, seemingly annoyed. This is how you commonly would approach someone who is attempting to assist you with no anticipation of a reward, Munto responded. Rix seemed to be taken aback for a moment, 
micro-expressions crossing their face in rapid succession. No, uh, I'm sorry, I just, uh, I really want my ship back. I got a bit over-anxious as all, uh, I'm sure you'd understand if our positions were reversed. Rix looked a bit downcast. Munter considered this for several long moments. Munter had only been severely damaged once, as a result of a miscalibrated sensor and a piece of errant space debris moving with significant speed. Munter hadn't been too affected, but it had been a major concern at the time. Had the responders not been familiar with the tacit repair systems, Munter too might have been displeased with the lack of progress being made. I do understand, but becoming emotional about it will not make progress happen, Munter decided on. You're right, Rick said, and waited for a long moment before speaking again. This is probably an odd question. Uh, do you have anything to eat? Munto looked at the organic food databases and gave a bit of an internal shudder, particularly given the internal criteria that they still needed to compare against the alleged Terran. No, but hopefully we can find something compatible for you. Perhaps it is time for that medical scan, Munto suggested. And then, without being prompted, the Terran began disrobing. Where do you want me, Doc? Rix asked, striking something akin to a pose next to his pile of garments. Munto looked at the medical scanner that had been printed up, and the now disrobed Terran, and the pile of garments trying to decide if this was really worth it. End of story. Chapter 5 Munto was more than frustrated. As it turns out, the standard medical scanner was only 10% larger than was needed for a standard galactic-sized organic. Given the substantial larger alleged Terran ricks, Munto had to recycle the scanner for a larger template normally used by non-sentient animal organic medicine, something Rix called a vet. Munto tried to search this term, but wasn't certain how it applied to survivors slash former active participants of warfare, a concept that they, and most tacits, found to be truly abhorrent. What made it worse was that the Terran didn't seem to have any alternate definition that fit within the known database lexicon. And Rex was still ungarbed, despite the complications with the medical scanner and Munter's suggestions that the physical did not require clothing removal. Nah, every physical that I've ever had, the most I've had was a basic paper sheet. I don't figure you've got one of those lying around, and uh, it wouldn't matter about printing one up since uh, it's just you and me here, Rex had said. The only problem was that the larger medical scanner would require the Terran to help set it up, and it would take up a substantial subsection of the room. Munto tried not to think about it too hard. Munto focused instead on talking with the Terran, their data queries regarding the TCC having come back. Regarding your query regarding the conflict between the TSC and the TCC, Munto started, and Rix perked up substantially. It appears that the conflict was in fact ended by a third party. Rix's face appeared to screw up in concentration. The flicks? Or was it somebody else? He prompted, appearing to be trying to think through this knowledge of the time. According to the records, which are a bit haphazardly filed, it appears that a kind of mutual defense pact was activated, and an organization by the name of Terrasol Federation sided with the Flicks and some four other organizations of the time, and shortly afterwards, your TSC and the TCC entered into an alliance, effectively ending the conflict. Although for reasons that aren't apparent, Munto said, running virtual appendages through the files again. Rick sat in quiet contemplation for a long while, appearing to take this news rather differently than Munto had come to expect in short time in knowing the alleged Terran. Huh. I always figured those TFSs were out their grip when it came to spacefaring. They must have hit upon something to make it possible, though, was Rick's eventual comment on it. Are you feeling a particular emotions over this? Munto asked. Yes, but I probably need to talk them through with the head doc. Uh, do you still have those? Rick seemed to pivot on the subject so quickly that it made Munter's circuits skip a pulse. Psychological medicine is available for most organics and is considered to be a common best practice in mental well-being, Munter said, reading almost directly from top-level database about organics. That's good to know that not everything has changed. Rick's appeared to relax, but was still thinking. Munter checked the printer that was in process of augmenting the walking frame with Terran-grade ocular sensors a spectrum that seemed horribly inefficient for what it did, as well as a printer working on the VET medical scanner. The first was at 23%, and the other was at 79.2%. Strangely, the ocular sensors were taking a substantially longer because of an unexpected level of complexity. So what happened to the TSF, then, huh? 
And what's this galactic society you've mentioned? Do we find aliens? Rix asked, drawing Munter's attention. The TSF and Associated Alliances was dissolved some fifty years later in favor of the Galactic Council, an organization which became the foundation of modern galactic society. Naturally, it has changed substantially since it was first founded, though. As to your other question, galactic society is not Terran-centric anymore, it involving no less than 750 distinct sentients, all of whom are a mix of organic, inorganic, and some equivalent distinction, Munto said, ripping between data files and watching the percentage slowly creep up. Why, uh, no less than... Rick seemed to have caught the worst part of the statement, because Munter then had to go looking quickly for the answer. It took less than a second, but it was still annoying to have to look. Why couldn't this alleged Terran ask about planets and stars? Because the level of sentience is an eternal subject of debate for Galactic Council. There are those who argue for one measure of sentience versus another to cover an associated species accordingly. Munter quoted from the tacit net page again, before simultaneously posting back to the criteria post that their large medical scanner was necessary to fit the being in question. The response seemed incredulous as to the organic being that large while still displaying obvious sentience. Further responses indicated that this would still be well within the bell curve baseline for Terrans. Oh, well I suppose that makes sense. Uh, what do you think about those debates? What side do you take? Rick asked. I do not take sides in this. Those are the affairs of galactic society, and while tacits are part of galactic society, we are a wholly neutral body, provided that we are respected accordingly, Munto said affirmatively. Rix appeared to consider this for a moment. So you're like the Centaurians, never could stand them, Rix said, a semi-serious look on his face. Munto debated looking up the reference, but decided the easiest to make the Terran explain themselves. Please explain the context of that statement, Munto prompted. Oh, always playing that we're neutral card regardless of what's happening. A war happens, somebody gene-bombs a colony, somebody else goes on a piracy campaign. Doesn't matter. Just constantly playing the, we're neutral. Really quickly turns into the, as long as it doesn't affect us, we don't care. After a while. Even though they clearly should care. Rix explained in the longest statement he had made in the last few hours. Munter considered this as well as the logical evidence the Tacit maintained regarding it. There was nothing invalid about it. But based on the Terran's perspective, it didn't make sense that Tacit should intervene where possible. And it is entirely possible that Tacit's had, especially those involved in negotiations with hostile parties. Would you object to having wholly neutral parties in negotiations, ones that cannot be bought off or biased for or against you? Mundo tried. Depends on what the negotiations are about. If it's something like a planet, sure. If it's about something like rights of beings, absolutely not. There are some things that you don't compromise on. Rix almost spat out. It was clear that this was a socially sensitive item for Rix, and so Munto decided to steer the conversation away from it. But to answer your question from earlier, yes, Terrence did locate sentient Xeno species and coordinated to elevate them to an equivalent technology level before continuing out into the galaxy to continue to do the same, Munto suggested. Really? No issues with local society development? Just bang, here's some tech now, get into the stars, Rix asked. It was a bit more intensive than that, or so I'm given to understand, Munter said, having glossed over the part of the general database during their formulation. There usually is. I'm surprised we managed first contact without a war, if I'm honest, Rick said. That particular first contact was peaceful. Several subsequent first contacts were not, and did in fact result in armed conflicts. It was out of those conflicts that the Tacits were first designed, Munter said, having an abbreviated history of the origin of Tacits. Then I guess it makes sense that your massive intelligences... How big was the first Tacit? I, I bet it was bigger than a cruiser cross vessel. Rix pivoted again, making the circuit seem to grind and the rapid direction shift again. It took Munter a moment to check the TSE database for cruiser-class vessels and was confronted with an almost disturbingly large vessel. It outmassed Munter by several orders of magnitude and was clearly a vessel intended for warfare. The amount of weaponry the basic cruiser class maintained was enough to take and hold the average galactic star system. It seemed to practically be a mobile station onto itself. What made it worse was there was an invitation to the file to suggest that the majority of cruiser-class vessels operated by the TSC were retrofitted with additional and more expensive weaponry. The level of savagery being displayed in the mere knowledge of the vessel was almost primal and terrifying. 
Munter mentally looked between the stack of data and the Terran sitting unguarded next to the still-printing medical scanner. 95%. Reluctantly, Munter did compare the general specifications on mass and general configuration of the first tacit with the cruiser class of the TSC. It... It was almost a perfect match. Munter dug in and started looking for more data, even making requests on TacitNet for first tacit construction configuration. They received an almost instant data file since it was akin to asking for the atomic mass of helium to the 20th decimal point. Munto started doing a heavier comparison between the two. Where a multitude of weapons arrays had been, the first thinking arrays had been installed. Where a dropship storage had been, a new power core to sustain the thinking arrays had been installed. It seemed almost gross to contemplate that the tacits had been born of such a... a... a crude implementation. But here it was. Both the spare compartments intended for vast storages of weapons and personnel had been converted for the various mechanisms to support the tacit. Sensor arrays had been added, the already prodigious sensor arrays being converted to support the new and varied sensors needed, and now commonplace within the tacit, although Munter hadn't ever wholly understood why. Bing! An internal chime sounded to Munter, and the note that the medical scanner was complete. Rex, please remove the completed scanner from the printer and assist in assembling it, Munto requested. Sure thing, Doc. By the way, what do you want me to call you? I know you said that your name was Munto with some numbers, uh... What do I call you? Rex said, standing and stepping up to the printer in little more than two strides. Munto considered this a moment, having not had a lot of experience with organics, primarily by choice, and a lot of experience with just tacits and planets and stars. It just hadn't ever come up. It never really mattered. The thought that it hadn't mattered previously bothered Munter for some reason. Smorning threads, that didn't make sense. Munter allowed them to persist for a few minutes before killing them. In the meantime, Munter answered, Munter is a reasonable shortening. I have no other names. The numeric designation is in relation to the production facility in which I was formulated. Munter responded. Good enough, I guess. I'll just have to think of a nickname for you then, Rick said. A tight grin on his face. Is this plant pack? It took Munto a moment to realize the Terran was referring to the medical kit. Yes, I can use the walking frame to assist you, or I can direct you in how it is to be assembled, Munto said, checking the augmentation status. 29%. I'm pretty good at do it yourself as long as it isn't too delicate. They wouldn't let me be on a ship by myself if I wasn't capable of putting the odd bits together, Rex continued smiling. Very well, let's begin, Munto said. Over the course of the following hour, the Terran had managed to bend several pieces, which should not have been able to bend, at least by galactic standards. And so tools had been required to be printed to straighten the items. It was immensely frustrating for Munto, as they were able to have done it themselves had the walking frame been available in a fraction of the time. But Munto reflected it had been good exercise in demonstrating the alleged Terran's capabilities and biometrics, even if it was somewhat at the expense of a medical scanner. Oh well, it only has to work once, thought Munto, looking at the assembled unit and considering the level of construction that the Terran had managed. Please enter the scanner and hold still for approximately 30 seconds. Please respirate and circulate normally while within the scanner, Munto directed Rix. Wait, is that something species can do, stop circulation? Rix almost immediately asked, stepping between the two of the poles that supported the device. Yes. Please do not do that as it would complicate the biometric readings. Munter was directed to get the criteria fulfilled and answered to as to whether this was a Terran or not. Sure thing, Munter, Rick said, and stood in the middle and waited patiently. Munter triggered a scanner and waited. The first scans came back and revealed a lot what Munter already knew. Rick's was an organic, was exothermic, possessed an internal skeletal structure of some sort and had grasping appendages which were capable of supporting the body to which they were attached. Further scans revealed more about the internal skeletal structure, along with the internal musculature. The word overbuilt came back to Munter's conscious mind. The scans completed, and Munter was already trying to process all of it at once. It wasn't helping. So, uh, are you done? Rix asked, seeming to jerk Munter out of the stack of data. I only ask as I'm a little cold and I still like to see about getting something to eat. I believe I am finished with the scan. Please carve and break down the medical scanner. I should have some results shortly of uncompatible foods that I can produce, Munter said, eager to get back to the data. It looked worse the longer Munter looked at it.
Of the criteria, so far, the only thing the Terran hadn't demonstrated was percussive maintenance. A fraction of a second later, Rix appeared to hit a joint of the medical scanner to help separate it into component pieces. It was just as bad as Monta was considering. Rix of the Terran Star Confederacy was in fact a Terran and was almost certainly the last Terran. Munto tried to consider what these would mean and kept finding themselves at dead ends of thought paths. It wasn't helpful to keep thinking of this. After all, the rest of the tacits were waiting to hear back. Munto uploaded the completed criteria and the scans taken to the page with a marker Terran confirmed according to stated criteria. From there, Munto started looking at compatible foods, focusing on simple foods that were most likely of some long-ago Terran origin. And, for the first time in a long while, Munto felt almost excited. It wasn't a star or a strange planetoid or even a peculiar comet, but this was a mystery that definitely needed solving. End of chapter. I would quickly like to thank the T5 channel members and Patreons. Caspar Arnholtz, Cam Maxwell, Lord Azrakal, It's Difficult to Pronounce, Dragzoon WRE, Holly's Sister, Arcadian. Thank you very much.